Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Hello, LOM Nation, and we greet you all in the final days of the Christmas season. Uh, and we hope you're going to be having a good Three Kings Day coming up soon. And hope uh, your new year is getting off to a good start. And our new year for LOM is definitely getting off to a good start with this uh, LOM podcast, the first for 2019. Uh, the title of this podcast is Traits of a Successful Executive Director. And I think it's going to be good for anybody who's involved in outdoor ministry from any perspective. If you're an executive director, if you're a program director, if you are a chef, if you are a housekeeper, if you are just getting started, if you've been in, in it for a while, I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast. The person who I have the honor of interviewing today is none other than our very own, our LOM's very own Jeff Barrow. Now, Jeff, has the advantage of reflecting on a whole bunch of things through his career as he, he thinks about traits as a successful for a successful executive director. He himself has been the uh, an outdoor ministry executive director. He has been a parish pastor for a whole number of years, and as a parish pastor, he had the opportunity as one of the prime users that any LOM camp has, the congregation, to see camp from the congregation perspective. He's been a bishop. He was the bishop of the Greater Milwaukee Synod. And now he is serving as an interim executive director. He's been through the LOM interim executive director training, and he has served admirably at Camp Amnicon, which now has their permanent executive director. And he's now serving at Sugar Creek Lutheran Bible Camp in Wisconsin. And Sugar Creek is getting ready to call their next permanent executive director. So Jeff Barrow, we are so glad that you are part of LOM Nation. You're part of the fold. You're very involved in all the stuff that we've been doing. Thank you for uh, all that you do. Thank you for all that you've done in a really great career in the church. And we are um, really happy to talk with you about what, from your perspective, are traits of a good executive director. So, Jeff, here we go. I'm going to ask you, first of all, just tell us a little bit about some of your background and how it is and why it is, you now, after all the stuff of being a parish pastor, being an executive director, being a bishop uh, of a synod, what, what's compelling you to get as involved in LOM and outdoor ministry and leadership in outdoor ministry as you have been over the last few years since you uh, left the post of being a bishop? Like many in the church, Camping was my vehicle into ministry. I was at 
Christicon growing up in Montana before it was Christicon, it was Lazy Day Ranch. And then when I was there, our intern pastor had applied to work in the Boundary Waters at Wilderness Canoe Base. I was hired, surprise, surprise, had never been away from home, never been on a boat. And so I always think of myself as the lowest common denominator of wilderness swampers, and they had to teach me just about everything. And yet that wonderful experience, I think, allowed me to step outside my comfort zone. And that's always been one of my definitions of what makes for good ministry. And so had I not gone to wilderness in high school, I never would have spent a summer in Mexico. <laughs> I probably never would have served in the inner city of San Antonio or Milwaukee or worked at Koinonia with uh, kids from the South Bronx. And, and so camping was really, I think, the invitation and the blessing to say, step outside and God is calling you um, beyond your limitation. That's kind of my story. I, I can say I really enjoyed being a, a bishop in the Lutheran Church. It was a great honor and privilege. And yet I always maintained from day one that the hiking boots always fit me better than the miter ever did. And so <laughs> as I as my first term was coming up, I turned 65. And you ask questions like, well, <laughs> how many 65-year-old white guys does it take? Anyway, we're all nice, but if none of us ever step over, nothing changes. And then to be involved with Young Hearts again, which was always my passion as a parish pastor and camp director, that's been a real privilege for me in retirement. That's, yeah, it's fun to be here. Yeah, but that, that's really uh, interesting to me because as I got ready for this podcast, one of the things I did, I did a reread of Jerry Manlove's um, section, uh, chapter in Common Book of Camping of uh, what he feels are important leadership traits for a camp director. One of the things he talked about is how important learning is and staying learning and keeping open to new ideas and fresh ideas. And that really resonates with what you were just saying in terms of stepping out of your comfort zone and being willing to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, and I think all, all of us have to do that because if if we weren't willing to step out of our comfort zone, being an, a camp executive director is just way too vast to uh, for any one person to have all the qualities that that it takes. But you go beyond that and uh, think in terms of some of the specifics. I know that um, one of the things that led me to you for this podcast is a paper you wrote for the Sugar Creek Board about as they are thinking about their search for an executive director. You, you talked about two things as like the things everybody would identify. I'm not sure that's the case that everybody would, but what do you see as those things that you see as so common and so basic? The paper that I wrote um, is just a reflection of what I've experienced and seen. And of course, in the LOM community, there's folks who have done it longer and better than I ever did. So it's, it's like when people used to come in for counseling as a pastor, I'd always think I did a good job, but on the way out, it's you get a second opinion. <laughs> and so I think, I think my reflections are just that. They're just what I see. The two things that I hear often are we want someone with vision. 
And it's interesting, when I was the bishop, people were always asking me that, what's your vision? Someday, one day somebody even asked, what's your vision for lunch? Well, I don't have one. And I would remind people that visions come from the heart of God. And we're there, just there to try to hear what God is telling us, ask where God is calling us. And, and so that, that role of visionary, I think is, is often subject to misinterpretation. I've mentioned in my paper that I, I experience in congregations in transition, they want a mover and a shaker, someone that's gonna create a new vision. And at times they call a deconstructionist who's just there to undo whatever was there. I think a true visionary kind of understands what called an organization into being, is able to work with the board, not apart from it, and with an organization to kind of figure out what was the original heartbeat that brought this place together. And, and I think a, a true visionary really, really does acknowledge that visions are beyond themselves. They're, there's something bigger. Um, when I went to wilderness, the, the byline there was dedicated to the task of renewal. It was really born to serve kids in crisis in North Minneapolis. And I think whenever wilderness has gone back to that vision, it's prospered. Whenever it fell away from that, it struggled. And any camp does that. Or you look at Lutherdale on this log this camp was prayed into being. And so you go back and say, well, what were they praying about? Um, and, and so I think a visionary really tries to get inside the heartbeat of an institution in order to lead. The, the second one is fundraiser. Everybody wants a fundraiser because most camps that I know run on a shoestring and are always living hand to mouth. And so you need someone that can generate that but it's really about building relationships. Um, I always think one of the best fundraisers I know is Dave Brunkow, who works for GSB. I've watched him over the years develop really powerful relationships. So it's not just about what's in your wallet and how can I get it, but who are you and what are your dreams and how can our organization help you do that? And so I, th I think those are the two things that will often be listed at the top of the director list that really resonates with with me and um, especially in terms of the the visionary piece as you explained your point of view on that it, it's not about your individual vision as an executive director it's about building a consensus around the organization's uh, vision for for the uh for the ministry. I just think that is really important because a vision built on an individual person's vision can get the individual leader, the executive director in trouble real quick. Whereas a vision built around <laughs> what it is that is the organization's vision, a consensus about that, that is when it really begins to fly. And when you have that really nice dance that you're looking for, with the executive director and the board of directors. There is a little bit of deconstruction in it because a new director comes into an organization and sometimes you see things that have kind of gone, 
kind of gone to seed, but nobody can admit that they have. And so one of the things you do is name those and say, is this true to our vision that we that got us this far? And then the, the other thing I think is, is always understanding that an organization is still growing. It's still in process. It doesn't become static unless you let it. And, and so uh, Sugar Creek has a wonderful tradition of past staff come and volunteer for a week in the summer. And so there's a girl, Molly, that all of a sudden she was showing up at camp. And of course, my first thing is, well, who the hell is Molly anyway? <laughs> and I found out that she is uh, just a delightful person. She spent a week there. Uh, one night we had a chance to hike up to the bluff. We had a good long talk with some other people and she looked across the, the valley that she'd spent so many days and summers and years at. And she said, I've never been to that place before. <laughs> and the next day she took one of the other staff and they hiked up to that place through the woods to the top of the peak just to discover what was there. And I, I think that's a, that's a big part of vision, whether you're a former camp counselor or a director or someone just always wondering, what, what might God surprise us with tomorrow? One of the things that struck me when you were talking about the fundraising piece is that there are certain skills, a lot of times built on experience, that are traits that are good for an executive director has there. And there are also less tangible traits, such as relationship building. And uh, it's sort of like they go hand in hand. In, in other words, um, you could have the person with all the, with all the skills in the world all the experience in fundraising and so forth. But if there's not the um, ability to, or the desire to build relationships, then um, it, all that experience won't, won't be any good. In fact, I've noted that as one of the challenges for an interim director is I, I love being with people. I love going into congregations. I love meeting people, but you, you sort of need to do that over a period of time. And, and so what I told the folks at Amnicon is all I can do is show you the con table of contents of the book you got to read. And because those supportive relationships unfold over time as you get to know people and, and you get to really find out what their self-interest and where their heartbeat is. And, and, and so I think that relationship building is really critical for any kind of fundraising. When you were talking about how you got into a um, sense of call for a career of working in the church, and you talked about camp and how camp was so instrumental and vital in that, one of the things you said, uh, you said it was never about the camp, uh, camping. It was never about the camping. And as you expressed it in that particular instance, it was all about stepping out of your comfort zone. 
Are there other things like that that you think are really, really important that makes it not necessarily about camping, but more about something bigger than that? Well, yeah, and, it, and if you think about our Lutheran sense of vocation that, that Martin Luther talked about all the time, what going to a camp does, and it does it for all kinds of people, whether you're a lifer or whether you might come for even for a summer, a camp is there to plant the question, so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And, and I've seen that raised in so many people who have come to camps in different capacities. It, it's always about where are you being called in this world? And, and what are your values that are being formed? And how are you created to serve people in this world? I think that's where the passion for camping really spills out beyond. And so you, you see former camp people who become missionaries in Africa or as young adults become young adults in global mission, partly because of that sense of calling that was nurtured at a camp early on. And, and so, yeah, is it about learning to build a fire? It might be. Is it about learning to put up a tent in the rain? <laughs> Some days you have to do that. But, but the larger question is really, what are you gonna do when you leave this place? And, and what difference can you make in the world? In the paper you wrote for the Sugar Creek Board, one of the um, areas that you identified as being important for an outdoor ministry executive director to be involved in is um, church relations. You certainly have a perspective on that as a parish pastor and as a bishop and uh, I wonder if you would just talk a little bit more about that, especially as, I, I mean, my from my perspective, one of the biggest sea changes that we have in outdoor ministry leadership is the whole thing of navigating our way through church relations when there's so much, the, the, the church continues to go through so much change and things that are different. Yeah, well, a couple... A couple things I remember was a young camp director in my first permanent job when I was at Ascension Lutheran and Camp Indian Sam's was there. There was a pastor from Janesville who came and talked to a bunch of young camp directors, and he said, the day may be passing when, when camps are supported by churches. He said... The days coming when churches have to be supported by camps. And, and I always kind of remembered that. He kind of saw the end of Christendom, but he also saw the possibilities of this whole network of, of camps constructed to serve people. And the, the other thing I remember, I don't know if Keith Johnson remembers it. You know, Keith, if, you, if you're going to rate camp directors, there'd be Keith and everybody else. You know, yeah. and when he went to El Camino a long time ago, I remember him saying he went to visit churches and he walked into a church, I think it was in Los Angeles. And he said to the pastor, what can I do to make your program better here? And he said the pastor almost fell off the, mm. <laughs> the chair. He said, no camp directors ever asked me that question. And as I think about that, camps really 
exist in order to strengthen ministries all over. And, and that can be even a secular ministry of someone that comes onto your site that, that may benefit from being in that holy space. Uh, in the Lutheran church, likely it's still driven by congregations, but I, you realize, and that's where I think experience as a parish pastor comes, parish pastor come with an agenda to, to try to communicate to their young people and to their families and to whoever. And so we want a camp that's going to help us do that better. <laughs> so I, I just think that's an interesting perspective. The camps don't exist for themselves. They exist to strengthen the ministry of people that go from that slide. When you talked about, uh, you use the example of, is it about learning the skill of building a fire when it's raining out? Is it about learning the skill of setting up a tent? When you mentioned those two examples, I kind of went my thought pattern to um, one of the other areas where in your paper you identified as um, being important for executive directors, outdoor ministry executive directors. And that's to be somebody who's good at building teams, at team building. When you build that fire and it's raining out, it uh, typically takes more than one pair of hands to get that fire going. And the same is true with the tent and so many other things. Uh, when you talk about team building for an executive director trait, uh, just um, put a little more flesh on that, if you would. I, I related the story of when I was uh, in the bishop's election. One of the questions is always, "How are you going to staff this thing?" And and I I did say during the election, I said, "When all is said and done, I want to be the dumbest and dullest on the whole staff." <laughs> Later, I had I had to say I was a little disappointed how quickly I fulfilled that expectation, <laughs> but. But the truth is, I, I think throughout my whole ministry, not just as bishop, I've been blessed with people around me who are really strong leaders in their own. And I think part of being an executive is not, sometimes you have to take the mantle and lead, but other times it's seeing the talent around you and, and kind of letting them do their own thing. And so... In the Senate office, I liked all of them, but there were a couple strong women who didn't always share my perspective of who could come in and sort of tell the truth when I needed to hear it. And, and I think what a gift they were, you know, to a church. And so, and the other, the other thing I remember, um, I was in the parish for 10 years with a marvelous guy. He's now passed away from, uh, after dealing with MS for many years, it's still a great loss to me, but Walter and I had so much fun for about a dozen years. And in the middle of it, we had a halftime woman right out of seminary who came to join us. And there's like a hundred reasons why that shouldn't work. And yet she was so gifted. And Walter and I just delighted that we could continue to grow from what she brought right out of seminary to us. And so she didn't know beans about basketball. But one day I walked in and I said, 
My job is to set picks. And she said, well, that's a pick. And I said, well, that's what they do in basketball to get somebody else open. <laughs> and so, um, and Chris Capel was a marvelous preacher. And so, you know, the senior pastor usually preaches on Easter and she was there about two months. And I said, I want you to preach on Easter Sunday. And for me, I felt like that was one of those times when, when you lead by understanding the talent around you. So I, I, think, I think that's one of the great blessings of just serving with colleagues in ministry is all of a sudden you realize <laughs> on any given day, you ain't the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yes, I think I, you, uh, you speak with a whole lot of wisdom there, Jeff. <laughs> and, uh, I think some of that uh, comes a period of time of uh, having some experience too. And when we try to do it all ourselves, <laughs> we find out over time just don't work that way. <laughs> I know you're a big baseball fan too. My favorite baseball player was Robin Young. And one day he said, if you play long enough, anybody can get 3,000 hits. <laughs> and so, and so wisdom, wisdom comes, you know, as you as you realize what accomplishment, what really makes accomplishments happen. One of my favorite uh, comments from a great baseball player actually came from Joe DiMaggio, who played for the Evil Empire. I mean, the New York Yankees. Uh, one day, you know, Joe DiMaggio always gave it a hundred percent hustled and, and uh one day a reporter asked him joe how can you do it how, how can you how can you give it a hundred percent like you do every single day 150 games in a season blah 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 and joe said well out there in center field, there might be just one kid up in the stands and they've never been to a ball game before. And I just want them to see me at my very best. It's sort of like uh, yeah. anybody who's in a leadership position needs to make sure people are seeing us at our very best, I think. And part of that is um, uh, identifying and realizing that there might be others who are better at things than we are. So, one of the other areas that you raised was overseeing management of resources and facilities. And um, as much as I agree that that's a really important thing, that's probably the most boring thing on your list, in my, from my perspective, my personal opinion. Not, and not that boring makes it bad or unimportant, but. Um, that's just my own observation. But um, would you talk about that a little bit too, Jeff? I agree. That's not the most exciting. I, I think, again, it has to do with the kind of team you build. And even the team within a board of directors, usually in an organization, there's somebody that's really good at counting beans who loves to do it. And, and you don't have to replace that person, but you better be able to sit down and listen to them and and I think at every at every level that's um, that's really important for leadership to realize that uh, it's interesting this is a this is kind of an aside but when I was in Milwaukee as a young pastor 
there was a, a famous Italian restaurant that was being sold. He was just retiring. Very successful business. He sold it to a young um, Chinese couple. And he really liked them and he helped them get started. But there was a whole article about how he saw his role as the head of this famous restaurant. And he said, you know, I never could cook. I had to hire cooks that knew what they were doing. And he said, my wife actually did the books. I didn't, you know, if she hadn't been there, I would have gone bankrupt. And he said, my job was to greet people as they came in the door and thank them when they left and and count on that all those other people working for me were the ones who prepared the meal for them. And I, I, did, I found that actually really helpful as a pastor over the years, rather than being in the sanctuary or in the sacristy before worship, I would greet people as they came in. And, and you could hear, that's when people would tell you, by the way, I'm having surgery next Wednesday, or my uncle just died. And so I, I think sometimes an executive director is that person that can kind of manage those around them by staying out of their way and by hearing what folks are saying as they come in. That's a little bit of an aside, but I, I think that's an important ingredient. Well, actually, it's, a, it's an aside, but at the same time, I think it's all part of another characteristic that you identified, and, and that's the um, shaping a culture of hospitality. And um, hospitality is a pretty all-encompassing thing. And we all um, talk about how one of our core values is that uh, to have holy, show holy hospitality. But when it boils right down to it, uh, you know, what does that all mean and all that kind of thing? So how do you feel that executive directors have an opportunity to shape a culture of hospitality. Let me tell you what it's like now as a retired person who visits a lot of churches. I've gotten very critical as a consumer. <laughs> every church, right, wants to be welcoming. You hear that every time you go in, but sometimes um, you'll hear the obligatory welcome spoken during announcements and no one will talk to you. And, and sometimes you have to interrupt coffee hour to get in and out the door. And so I, I think that establishing a culture of hospitality, you look at how is the guy that came to deliver propane treated when they come across the bridge? How is the guy who comes in on the food service truck treated when they come in? And that's the that's the kind of influence I think an executive director can begin to see. We just had some logging done at camp here. It was really interesting. One day I asked the logger, how, do you, how does all this work? And he came in and spent almost an hour in my office telling me all about logging and how they relate with the DNR and, DNR and what the service plan is and how they manage the forest. So it'll be there 100 years from now really fascinating and I realized that he's developing a relationship with this camp. I think the other thing I noticed and, and I would make this observation uh, I did in my paper it takes both Martha and Mary to be hospitable because and Martha is 
okay, here's your here's your key to your room. Here's how you get in. Here's where the things are you need. Here's what the schedule is. Here's where the clean sheets are. And so you prepare that. And that's such an important part of hospitality. And the hotel industry has figured that out. And we had that nice presentation during our LOM conference to talk about that. But I think camps are in a place also where you need Mary. <laughs> and that's someone um, that isn't intrusive, but someone that is there to, to begin to hear the stories of the people who come on our sites. And God love her, Alana Butler at Adnacon, like other directors, you know, she had some strengths and some that weren't so good. But what she is really good at is when retreat groups would come, she would just very carefully take the time to listen to why they were there and who they were. And I, I just always appreciated that about her. I think sometimes that's the piece that's missing when we try to just only think in terms of Martha. <laughs> and so I made the comment in my paper, people come to camp and I think they want somebody to ask them, how is it with your soul today? <laughs> and, although somebody called me on that and said, so you walk in the middle of someone's business meeting and say, how is it with your soul? And that ain't going to fly. <laughs> so it has to be done, I think, with a sense of just being present to people and knowing when they're open. And, and uh, one of the funnest things in the winter at Sugar Creek is we have smaller retreats. And you can actually take the time today. And, you know, we have a ton of scrapbook clubs that come. And a lot of them have come for years. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear what their story is with this place and why they keep coming back and why they love it. And, I, and then I think we're always open to, to what, what's God got to do with any of this. You know, and it's not so much proselytizing as it is listening to what's going on in people's lives. So I think hospitality is something that an executive director is not always the one that is the face of camp to people, but they're the ones that kind of establish the marks by which a whole staff addresses people. I think that's an important part of the role. It's amazing to me, um, as you talk here, how so many of these traits, you know, hospitality, so often we get to thinking that hospitality is all about making sure the bathroom is clean, making sure that the bed is made, making sure that the food is delicious. And, and it is all, I mean, all yeah. of that is really, really important. But the more you talk, everything boils down to relationships. That is such a supremely important thing for all of us in what we do. And I, Thank you for reminding me of that. And I'm sure reminding many others who are listening in on this podcast. Well, and and um, I remember again when when Dave Brunkow was, when I was out at Koinonia and Dave was our consultant. And one day he, he called me and he said, you need a voice. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I call that camp and the high school volunteer washing dishes rushes to the phone and answers it and doesn't have any of the information I need. <laughs> and the other day he said they went to find somebody and never came back. 
<laughs> well, one of the things I really appreciated years later when I went to Amnicon, you know, Hannah Damon, when she answers a phone, you're the most important person that ever called. <laughs> and, and she's very genuine about it. And she begins to hear not requests, but also to, to have relationships with people. Well, I think that happens in camps all over. I, I see the people at Trigger Creek who over years have really let people know they're important when they call or when they come. And, and all of a sudden it's not clients anymore, it's names and faces of people. And yeah, it is about relationships. Jeff, you've talked a lot about important traits and this has been a, a very positive, we've approached this from a very positive perspective. And so I don't wanna end on a downer or anything like that because we're getting close to the end of this podcast. But I do wanna ask you, as you observe things, over the years about outdoor ministry leaders, especially executive directors. Is there a thread that goes through kind of common mistakes that we all make uh, that you've observed that perhaps you can help us to have a, a yellow flag of caution about? And let me go back to the young woman, Molly, who came and wanted to see more, not less. <laughs> I think for all of us, I mean, for all of us, the caution is we let things get static and, and we sing the same songs and we have the same routine. You know, none of those are created in the Bible. And so, and, and so one of the things that I've had time now as a retired um, interim to do, I try to walk the site almost every day, sort of to remember what got me here. And, and and if there's a caution, I think, particularly for executive directors, you have to keep remembering what the passion was that got you into this crazy business in the first place. Otherwise, you, you can get buried in your office, uh, in a computer, surrounded by statistics. And, and I think it's really important to, to remember where the heartbeat of, of your camp is. You know, you don't have to go to every campfire that ever happened, but you ought to go to one or two to remember what happens in the lives of young people, particularly. So I think that's the caution. We're always, <laughs> I did make the joke when I came back to Amnicon after being away from organized camping for 30 years, I knew all the songs. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking there's been songs written that I asked Paul Hill that. I said, I can't believe this. And he, and he said, that's every camp I go to. <laughs> and so like Molly, whether it's the land or the program, you always want to know what's next that we haven't thought about or what we haven't, haven't we discovered yet. <laughs> and there's plenty of it at all our camps, isn't there? Well, Jeff. You have certainly been very good and very open about sharing some of your ideas about what goes into uh, what we need to remember in order to be successful executive directors of outdoor ministry organizations. 
I think we could even um, generalize this a little bit more and say about outdoor ministry leaders in general. I think so much of what you've talked about would be important for all of us who are in outdoor ministry leadership to keep in mind. So I thank you for that. I thank you very much for the ministry you've had in these few years since being bishop and uh, your contributions as an interim executive director, your contributions to LOM as now part of the education committee. And uh, we're just so grateful to have you involved in so many ways. Thank you for that. And you, one of the per persons you mentioned, you know, you said, um, Keith Johnson, uh, if you could uh, uh, talk about one uh, executive director who might exemplify so much of what it means to be an, a good outdoor ministry uh, executive director. Uh, Keith Johnson is going to be the next person who I get the chance to interview for one of these podcasts. And so shortly after your podcast goes up, uh, we'll be uh, looking at a podcast with Keith Johnson, and he's going to be talking about something that uh, not only was he really, really good at as uh, as an executive director, but now he's uh, really helping others to learn as much as possible from the wisdom he's accumulated. But his uh, podcast is going to be on uh, developing a good board and good board relationships, and uh, that, of course, was... Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Keith was just a genius about, as well as so many other things. Keith yep. is the next podcast. Yeah, I, I feel like John the Bad. I'm not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we all feel that way. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I just don't know if I feel like John the Baptist. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeff, thank you so much. To see you March 18 to 21 at the Executive Directors Gathering, LOM Executive Directors Gathering at Briarwood in Texas. So uh, we look forward to seeing all the executive directors there. And then all the executive directors can tell you what they liked and didn't like about your uh, podcast on traits of a successful executive director. I'm sure they will. And remember, they should always get a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom once again. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.